That camera's not on me, is it? No, it's on me. Okay. And it's on my chins. <laughs> we needed some... <laughs> That's how we show there's a commercial break. They just close not it on my chin. Not a control freak, okay? Just, what? No, it's important. I guess it's important what you look like when you are... Um, I, I, whatever you are, and I am what I am. A creamy, smooth pop icon goddess. Is that what it is? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Once those chins show, you'll be much funnier. Okay, okay. Well, can I just get into the glamour aspect right now? Okay, but let go, really. I'd be so age. happy if we just got one really lousy angle and I'd say, No! That's funny. <laughs> that's comedy. It's true, it's comedy. All right. And you can have a much longer career because... Can I be funny and pretty? Nobody's ever done it. That's not true. Who? Who? Lucille Ball was pretty. Yeah, for how long? 15 Couple minutes. Of minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> anyway, you don't have to be pretty. You're talented. You really okay. are. Okay, fine. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now let's. But I'm in Paris in the Ritz Hotel, and I want to be pretty. Okay. All right. But what happens when you're not pretty? I mean, then it's I, not going to happen. It's not going to happen. A lot of jokes. <laughs> then you would think it's da 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 da. Remember her? Da da da. Then I dye my hair red and I wear it in curlers all the time. <laughs> You're listening to MLVC, the Madonna podcast, the place where nothing really matters except all things Madonna Louise, Veronica Ciccone. Hey guys, it's Tony. Are you ready to jump? Hey everyone, it's Stefan, and we are coming to you live from Madame X in New York City. Yes, we are live on location in the very spot where Madonna recently had her birthday bash. It's really exciting. It's, uh, it's basically like... Tony and I are at Madonna's birthday. We just have arrived really, really, really late. Yeah, what did we, like, crawl here? It took us a week. <laughs> yeah, there was really bad traffic coming over the bridge. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the line to get into her party, it was just, it was down the block. And so, yeah, we're, 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 we're finally in. So, yeah, guys, for the very first time, we have our very own episode sponsorship. Stefan, will you do the honors? It would be my pleasure. <clears throat> Today's episode of the MLVC podcast is brought to you by Madame X, the sexiest bar in New York City. Located on 94 West Houston between Thompson and LaGuardia Place, right where the West Village meets Soho. If you've never been, I don't know what you're waiting for. Come join the party. Stop by one evening for drinks with some friends and some beautiful ambiance at the main bar. Or if you're looking to book a party, no matter the size, Madame X is the perfect spot. They can reserve a cozy couch for a small gathering of like six people or book a private event in one of the super posh party rooms like the Salon Rouge Ooh. or the Bedouin Lounge for groups up to like 150 people. There's even a secret garden area. Did you which say is, secret garden? I did, which is open year-round. And yes, it's heated in the winter. So check them out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. And be sure to visit madamex.com for upcoming events or for information on how to book your next event. After all, who wouldn't want to say they had their party where Madonna had hers? Well, we've got a fantastic Madonna episode for you all today. I don't think you're ready. Are you ready? I, Do you think they're ready, Stefan? I, I don't know if they are ready for this one, Tony, I gotta say. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to, to dive on in. Let's do it. Last Friday, August 16th, Madonna's birthday. In, in case you were asleep and missed about a couple of days on social media. Uh, yeah, it was a little intense. Our, our queen celebrated 61 years around the world. And it was kind of nice. It was, like we had said, everyone was celebrating. My entire feed was just flooded with Madonna. And I 
it was it's a nice little holiday, I gotta say. Yeah, it felt a little bit more like out of control than it has in the last few years. And well, I love it like that. I, I'm know? telling you, last year it was it was overshadowed because of Aretha Franklin passing away. Yeah. So this year it was kind of like we we got the we got last year's celebration back and um so yeah, it was kind of fun. It was and she uh, I was curious to see how she was going to work her birthday this year because for the last couple of years, she's not been prepping for a tour. And she's been, you know, like she was in Morocco last year. And I'm forgetting where she was the last couple of years uh, before that. But yeah, so I was curious to see what she did. And uh, who knew? She had her birthday party in Cuba two years ago, remember? Oh, right. That's right. With all those colorful cars. Yeah, and, and Debbie that, Mazar. That was beautiful. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah, yeah. Awesome. So yeah, I was, I was anxious to see sort of what she was going to do. And uh uh, she did. She commandeered uh, Madame X, uh, the bar, and it looked like it was a fantastic party. A, uh, there was lots of people there. Her kids were in attendance. Her All of the people from the tour were there. Um, I mean, I'm sure everyone saw the social media posts and whatnot. There was dancing and birthday cake and singing, piano playing. And... One post stuck out for me, though. Oh, yeah? It was the one where Madonna was like, Sitting with pizzas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so years ago, uh, a Ita- new Italian restaurant opened in Williamsburg called Antica Pesa, and they have another location in Rome. And I've been hearing stories from different people that had been there saying, this place is amazing, they have amazing decor, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know. And then someone told me that they saw Madonna eating dinner there. Mm. And then weeks after that, someone told me they saw her eating dinner there again. And I'm like, I have to go to this place, you know. <sighs> Long story short, I've been going there for my birthday pretty much every year. And um, the Madonna's food, never shown up. The, no, but it doesn't matter because she introduced me to one of my new favorite places. Uh, the food is as good as, as I'm saying it is. And it, the fact that Antico Pesa catered her birthday party uh. um, had me going there over the weekend. Nice. <laughs> but it's a really great place. Um, the only thing that's a little sad is that those pizzas were made especially for Madonna. They are not on the menu. Uh, of course. So I've got a little bit of FOMO there because they I can't stop thinking about them. They look so good, Stefan. Uh, see, I guess the the those of us who can't have catered Antica Pesa uh, <laughs> birthday parties would just have to suffice with going to John's Pizzeria, which is conveniently located right next door. So It's also good, but, you know, not made with Madonna in mind. Correct, yes. Um, yeah, and FYI, we are actually on location filming, uh, recording in Madame X. Um, Houston Street is literally right outside. So if there's any sort of street noise or whatnot, just think of it as the... Sidewalk um, talk. Think um, of it as sidewalk yes, talk. The ambiance of New York City. We're, we're, we're coming to you from a special location today. So there's the, the quirks and chirps and ticks of the whirring city around us. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's... If you hear anything... I don't think we're going to actually get any patrons coming up to us because we're here before they open, thankfully. But um, uh, you never know. It's always a surprise here, you know. Uh, but back to back to Madonna's birthday party. Um, so she was in the, the Madame X establishment on Friday night into the wee hours of the night. And then... Those uh, kids don't have bedtime. No, I'm... I'm, I'm yeah, the, either the nanny's not doing her job or uh, they, they sort of... Maybe they like... Uh, sneak away from the nanny. I'm not quite sure what's happening, but yeah, they're. Uh, they, I'm, I'm jealous. I, I had to be in bed by nine o'clock. Yeah, and I didn't get to like prance around with my mother in lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> really, you didn't? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. I think I did. I think I wore my mother's nightgown a couple of times. 
<laughs> I don't think she knew I was doing it, but I think that's yeah. another podcast, Stefan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the uh, that's my uh, my Quiet Storm podcast. You can check that out on uh, on all anywhere the podcasts are. It's, I don't have much of a following, but uh, give it a listen. Uh, so then she she traipsed off to her Hamptons compound, and uh, if you did not see any of the photos or video of that, it looked epically beautiful. Mm-hmm. The uh, God bless the people who designed that and put that together because they did such a great job with all of those pristine tents and the, the little candlelit walkways. And uh, it was beautiful. It was the kind of like glamping times a thousand. I, you know, I, I never would have thought that Madonna would have ended up in the Hamptons, but I like the way that she does the Hamptons. It's very tasteful and she's not out there sipping rosé you know, in these big houses with, you know, housewives. I mean, she's riding horses and she's keeping it as real as possible. Yeah, I know. I kind of want to go hang with her by the pool. That looks, I mean, I remember seeing them all out on the beach and by the pool and whatnot. And I think I was sweltering in the city at the time last weekend. And I'm thinking, Hmm. I'd really love to be by a pool right now. Madonna's pool. Yeah, I was like, (laughs) I need to call Madonna and beg for her to let me come out, like, right now. Um, so while we don't know what Madonna received for her birthday, as far as gifts go, they did drop a gift for the fans on Friday afternoon, didn't they? Uh, you know, it's, she's a a very giving queen. She, she, instead of us giving her something, yeah, she gifted us with a wonderful present, which was remixes for I Rise. Part two. Part two. And they did not disappoint. I, um... If you had seen, uh, we had she had posted a video on her Instagram story. We reposted the video on our Instagram. It was um, her voguing to uh, the remix of "I Rise." I think at the time we thought it was the Tracy Young remix. It was not. Nope. It was Q drops the funk remix. Yeah, and honestly, it was it's brilliant. I'm in my head. I'm thinking please let this be like the tour closer. You know, like I'm in my head, I'm imagining she starts it off with like the uh, traditional like album version where it's slow. And then she just also throws it down and we get a remix version mm-hmm. and it's hands in the air, her voguing, everyone being big and presentational. And like, that's how the tour closes. I mean, we are unfortunately stuck with iRise, so let's make the best of it. Hey, I love <laughs> iRise. I actually, I have been nonstop listening to those remixes. There's the Q Drops the Funk one and the Offernissim remix. My I, favorite is the Thomas Gold remix. It's very 90s. It's housey. Oh, that one's great too. Yeah. I mean, and it, it takes me on a musical journey that I never want to come back from. A musical journey to the 90s? Exactly. Yeah, well, you've been actually very stuck in the 90s a lot lately. Today you were... Very bougie, having uh, <laughs> liquid lunch at the reopened uh, pastis. In Actually, the, in the West it was Village. a cheeseburger, fries, and a Coke. Uh, I don't know I'm, how liquid that was. Well, see, I think you just Instagram storied the the cheeseburger and the fries and the, <laughs> and the Coke, but you hid the the liquid lunch. Yeah, it was really. It was. I kind of stumbled upon it. I didn't realize that pastis had reopened. Maybe I'd heard about it. Because they were happening. closed. They, yeah. I know they were closed because they were putting that restoration hardware in. Sorry, we're, we're off on a New York tangent. Just bear with us for a moment. But um, yeah, pastis was the place that I went to when I first moved here in 99. I would go to Florent late at night. Remember that crazy yes, place? So good. And yeah, I mean, pastis was to me back then when I was like, you know, poor, struggling, new in town. 
Just like Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> well, because they had all those great places there. There, yeah. was, there was Florent, there was Pastis, there was Hell. Do you remember Hell? I remember Hell. Remember those big martini cocktails they would serve? It was like, de- it was actually, it's very reminiscent. If you've not been to Madame X, you should definitely come check it out. It's beautiful. It's mm-hmm. very sort of like boudoir and like red and deep velvet curtains and very similar to what Hell was. Like Hell yeah. was this tiny little bar in the meatpacking district. And it was just like, it basically, it like, I imagined it would be like interview with a vampire. Like yeah. if Lestat was ever going to have like a home decorator redo his home, that's it, what it was It was very doing. chic on the inside, but you kind of had to watch your back when you were walking outside. Yeah, at the time. Yeah. Um, Meatpacking District in the late 90s was dicey at best. But, Not anymore. But we loved it. We now, loved it. And now yeah, it's a, it, a tourist trap with Dylan's candy and... <laughs> and uh, but yeah, when I, you know, when I was new in town, I would go to Pastis once a month and treat myself. And there I was 20 years later having lunch and thinking... Everything's changed. (laughs) And yet, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Life is a circle. And everybody knows the damn truth, right, Stefan? (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, But yeah, so the iRise remixes, they came out. I've I've sort of been, you know, dancing to them and using them for my gym workouts. It's been wonderful. Thank you. I'm curious to see... um, if this helps Madonna with her uh, continue her her dance record even more, because I think right now she's number two on the Billboard dance charts with I Rise. She sure is. And who's number one this week? Uh, I believe it's a Whitney Houston. I mean, what is this? Nineteen ninety two. Oh, that um, the remix that she, uh, who's it's not Higher that, Love. Higher Love. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. Was that a song that she did, just didn't do? How well, did you- what happened is that she recorded that song in Japan while she was on tour. And, you know, she performed it live. And they loved the vocals so much that they recorded it. But then Clive Davis at the time said, we don't want her doing covers. Oh. So they shelved it. And we received it this summer with open arms. And we love you, Whitney. I miss Whitney. Her voice, it sounded really good to hear that again. It was yeah. kind of like she hadn't left us. Yeah, and the last time those two queens were on the same chart was when The Bodyguard was number one and Erotica was number two. Um, uh, it is. It's This mm-hmm. is seriously. Now, see, you should have asked them to cue up those songs while you were drinking martinis at Pastis, Tony. Stop it. There was no music at Pastis. It's very tasteful. There's no music? <laughs> no. What? What do they have? Tasteful spaces do not need surface Stop noise. it. What are they, is there like someone just playing a harp or something no, in the corner? No, it was... Completely quiet. Just you know. the sound of the air conditioner in the Well, city. I was outside. I was oh. dining al fresco. Oh. <laughs> Let the, the bougie-ness continues. Have, hey. you ever, have you ever heard that song, Everybody Wants to Be Bougie Bougie? No, but I have heard that I'm, I'm gonna, the bourgeoisie and the rebels meet when they listen to music. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Makes the people come together. Yeah, I'm going to send you that. It's a Gladys Knight uh, song. Uh, uh, Bougie, it's called Bougie Bougie. Mm-hmm. It's so good. It's like disco funk. It's, I want to hear it's, it. It's really good. So MTV apparently knows the damn truth because they did something unexpected this week. Yeah, so like we had mentioned before, the VMAs are coming up on Monday, I believe. And, uh, and Madonna is a no Madonna show. is not in attendance, which because she's got no time for that. You know, she's busy planning a tour. But um, ironically, they just released the high-def, high-res version of her Hollywood performance with Britney, Christina, and Missy Elliott. It's about time. You know, the fans have been asking for that for 15 years. Yeah, like, seriously, the quality is 
amazing. And it's not re-edited though. We still get to see Justin's ugly face, do we? But slightly re-edited so they don't hang because the the aired version is lingered um, on it that lingered face. on his face a little bit more. So you missed her and Christina kissing. The version that they have now on their YouTube is it shows Justin for a nanosecond and then cuts right back to show Brittany, uh, sorry, Madonna kissing Christina. So, oh my God, can we stop this podcast right now and watch it? Because <laughs> I have been wanting to see that for a long time. She still does get sort of shortchanged. Mm-hmm. You you can tell that Madonna knew the controversy would be bigger with, or at least you think that it seems like it'd be bigger with Brittany than it was Christina. Because Christina gets a, a little bit of tongue, but Brittany definitely gets. She got I th- hated that, that back then they were pitting... Brittany and Christina against each other. Christina's the raven-haired slut, and Brittany <laughs> is the cute, innocent blonde. She did, Christina did look kind of trashier <laughs> with that with that dark hair. You better take that back. I, I mean, I, I think it was a good look on her, but like <laughs> in that like super because you know next to Brittany with this platinum yeah. blonde hair, and Brittany was f- much more fair skinned. Christina comes out like like. Italian, dark, tan, like she'd just come back from I the I used to call her Christina Latina. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, like, then the dark hair, and she just did. She looked a little, to quote Christina, she looked dirty. Yeah. Well, you know, it was a number one hit, Dirty. I love that song. I know, me too. And that video, oh my God. So, I still think I have to like wash my eyes out after <laughs> watching that video. I always feel really sweaty. I always take a towel with me, you know? Oh, good. Yeah, that's a, yeah, it's stealing from the gym. Well, you know, there's a lot of opinions about this performance, but I still think it is one of her top live performances. Um, and Missy Elliott brings it. You know, Missy Elliott, who is the Vanguard Video Vanguard Award recipient this year. Yes. Well, and you know what? It's about time because yeah. uh, she. I mean, her visuals. Missy's visuals have been amazing since I Can't Stand the Rain. And yeah, uh, good for her. And you know, and just a sidebar around the corner on Broadway in Houston. There is a pop-up museum of Missy Elliott. Check it out if you can. Right now? Yeah. Well, uh, really? Yeah. What do they have? I did not go inside. Oh, come but, on, Tony. Well, I mean, I work across the street. It they they were putting up the uh, you know, they were putting up the signage and I made a mental note to go back. I wonder back. if that's sponsored by MTV. Oh, definitely. It has yeah, to be, it right? It's gotta be yeah. a part of it. It's part of the video vanguard. Uh, which leads me to think, where's Madonna's storefront? Right. Where's we need to know. Well, no, it's coming. Where is the Madame X it's, Museum? It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm gonna petition Live Nation to have another Madame X pop up store. I'm telling you, put put it out there, people. Put the energy out there, and and then maybe it, it shall happen with some like classic finds and some old posters and maybe some T-shirts and oh, ah. Uh, I heard you were supposed to get your Like a Prayer t-shirt, and yet it hasn't arrived Oh, yet. yeah. The saga of the Like a Prayer long sleeve Tony t-shirt. Tony has been trying to get his hands on this Like a Prayer t-shirt for, what, like, four months Yeah, now? no, I bought it on Madonna.com in March when the 30th anniversary happened, and I thought, wow, I can wear this in two weeks. <laughs> Cut to... it's You know what? It'll be here in time for fall, so that way you can <laughs> maybe wear it to the Madame X tour or at least you know like a little hayride i i called in july after the pop-up store and live nation told me that they were having problems with madonna.com shipping merch and then i said well the shirt that i had bought was on display at the pop-up store i know i almost got it for you and they said well they were probably using that merchandise for the pop-up store we apologize 
So about a week ago, I received an alert from USPS saying that your package is arriving on Friday. Be there to receive it, blah, blah, blah. Friday became Wednesday, mm. and now it's Thursday, Tony, and missed, I still haven't received it. He's missed it. days of work waiting at home <laughs> for this package, and it just has not arrived. So. Yeah, apparently they want me to sign for it because it's, you know, precious cargo. Precious goods. I was going to say, it's precious goods, Tony. You've got to be there. Listen, until I'm wearing that shirt... You shall not rest. I will not rest. Um, and like I said, that was a Liger Prayer shirt, which, you know... I want to own and I want to wear, but right now I'm wearing my Madame X shirt because I still listen to Madame X every single day. I know. It's weird that it's been out in our lives for two months now. And I I still find, like, listening to it, I, I some songs I find that I didn't listen to when I first started mm-hmm. listening to the album, I, I listen to more now than, than at first. You know, like, I think the big songs for me when it first came out, like God Controller, I Don't Search, I Find, those were the ones that I was like constantly addicted to. And now I find like some of the other quieter songs, Mm -hmm. like Crazy. I mean, I am loving Crazy when she speaks the Portuguese. It's such a bop. You're just like bopping along. It's so good. Yo te amo. You know, it's so good listening to that song and, um, I'm, I'm still, I mean, I'm obsessing over Fosca. Still, so still. Yeah, that's um, I mean, obviously, God Control I have constantly on, on loop just because it's it's odd that it's a, a disco song about a terrible thing, but yet I still find it, like, anthemic and amazing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, I'm kind of, I, I still love the album, which is which is great. Yeah, I love the album more every day. Uh, I think it's going to be one of my all-time favorite Madonna albums. And I still can't believe that I hated all the lead-in singles as they dropped week by week. I was just scratching my head and looking for mercy, you know? (laughs) And it, you know, Madame X, I've said this before, it really is an album you have to listen to within the context of, you know, beginning to end. Well, I wouldn't say you hated the songs, Tony. I think you had expectations about the album. I'm putting words in your mouth. I think you had (laughs) expectations about the album and maybe the the lead-in singles were not sort of establishing the correct vibe for the total album. No, I wanted Vogue, Rescue Me, (laughs) Holiday, and Live to Tell is a ballad. So, well, because interestingly enough, when... I heard Dark Ballet for the first time. You and, hated and it. I no, I was I was a little upset because I wanted I basically I wanted God control. Mm-hmm. And I was just not happy getting Dark Ballet. But now I love Dark Ballet. Yeah, me too. I, you know, like the, I think the the sound of it, the I love how unconventional it is. When I first heard it, I was like, just give me disco. Mm-hmm. I just want a disco song. Yeah, and that song caused a lot of fans, especially with the accompanying video, it, it caused a lot of fans to just throw in the towel because, it, right, it wasn't the package that we wanted. If you're going to do a video and a single Madonna, we want you to be dancing, screaming, and <laughs> shirtless men in the room, you know? Oh, well, this isn't Express Yourself, but... Um, <laughs> no, but I think... Or Girl Gone Wild. I, I, but I do, like, I mean, if I was... Negative in any way during the rollout of Madame X. All of that has changed. I all is forgiven. I. I, I mean, I know I was. You were. You were, you were. Um, you went through a lot of plates during that time. <laughs> I, I think you didn't. Haven't you had? To, you've gone to Bed Bath and Beyond quite a few times during the rollout of Madame X because you were just breaking dishes left and right. Actually, back to my bougie roots. Uh, because oh, I work above Crate and Barrel, I was actually <laughs> buying the broken plates at Crate and Barrel. 
<laughs> oh my. You would just go down the crate and barrel and break the display plates. That's yes. how bougie Tony is. <laughs> he just, yeah. But um, yeah, it's good to have Madame X in our lives. I'm really curious to see what she does with arrangements and choreography on the tour. It'll be fun to sort of see yes. how she, what old songs she picks. I mean, I saw on Instagram just the other day, I think it was last night, she was leaving rehearsal singing Holiday. I saw that and I said, Is you, that like, yeah. is she throwing us a, a fast one or is she actually including Holiday in some way, shape, or form? Um, you may need to f- fill me in, but was Holiday performed in the last two tours? Holiday was performed, yes, it was the closing song for the, um, the last show for Rebel Heart. Okay, but it wasn't an MDNA. No, it was not an That's MDNA. the one where they did celebration and everybody was like, why? I liked why? it. I liked um, celebration at the end. I don't like it. <gasps> Tony, bite your tongue. I just everyone don't. don't listen to Tony going forward. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Celebration at the end of the MDNA tour was amazing. It was. <laughs> I mean, I, I was standing and I was dancing, but I was gonna say as I'm I like, look back, I would have preferred something a little bit more. Classic. Holiday. Oh. Well, she's done that, though. I mean... No, but I, I feel like the fans love the holiday closing. Right. We got that about tour. Blonde Ambition. It was not for Girly Show. What did she close Girly Show with? Girly oh, Show was, was uh, uh, everybody, everybody and Everybody right. is a Star. Yes. And then we had... I'm blanking now. Uh, Drown World Tour, she did music. She did music. And then Reinvention Tour... Was it was music into holiday into holiday and then after reinvention it was oh my god confessions Conf- oh yes she didn't do holiday and confessions I thought that I was a strange she did hung up yeah that was the closer for that one I mean it had to be had to be and that what an epic mm-hmm. that was like a ten minute version of hung up um, yeah so she's ended with holiday a couple times but not every tour. In my memory, it's every tour. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't be disappointed if she doesn't close no. Madame X with Actually, Holiday. when it comes to the Madame X tour, I'm going with no expectations. Mm-hmm. I am prepared to be given what she doles out. Uh, there have been clues. There have been... Tony, she's going to hold you down. She's <laughs> going to force feed you, and you're going to like it. I'm not going to be close enough to the front of the stage to No, when to we go, when we go on Sunday, <laughs> you'll be fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just going in with no expectations uh, as opposed to like when I went to Rebel Heart and MDNA. I wanted things to be a certain way, and they weren't. Mm-hmm. And... Um, that's just no way to go to a concert. No, you so you, yeah, you just kind of have to get on board. Go, you know, like when you sit down or stand or I don't know, are we going to be standing at the I don't know. It's the get, and that's the other thing why I have no expectations. It's going to be a very different experience. We're going to be in a theater. We're not going to be eating hot dogs and drinking beer. Right. Well, exactly. It's weird that we're going to be at BAM because I mean, that's the type of theater that you don't stand in. And I know just like in any of the like arena shows that we've been to, like people will have their phones out. It's going to seem strange to like, I mean, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But it's going to seem strange that we're like in a Broadway type of house and not um, to like, and you know, where you're not supposed to do that. And yeah. you're not supposed to stand. You're not supposed to sing and I mean, dance. Yeah. And, the only thing I can compare it to is when I saw Morrissey at his Broadway residency and is that where you tried climbing on stage? No, someone tried to climb on me oh, to I, get no, I, I think, on stage. I think that was... Because yeah, I had front you, row you were, stuff. You were probably trying to climb on stage. 
No, but he did touch me and I did cry. But that's for the Morrissey podcast. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's the only thing I have to compare it to. And I, I you know, I, I thought that we would be sitting through some songs, but no one sat, you know? And the, the thing is, is like in those Broadway houses or, you know, theater, it's a very narrow space between the seat and the seat in front of you. So there's going to be a lot of bruised knees. But yeah, usually at Madonna shows, there's a lot of, Bruce yeah, anyway. it's, it's it's we're gonna it's we're gonna be one messy sweaty family singing and dancing and having a, having a having a good old time. Yeah, and and this shit's happening in what three weeks? I can't believe it's happening yeah. that soon. I'm I don't think I'm really ready for it. I um, mean, I, trust me, I'm ready for it. But I I'm, I was gonna say you better be ready. or know, we're I'm, shutting this I'm, podcast down. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm ready. I'm just I'm not mental. I mean, I'm still in summer mode. And I, I kind of feel like I'm not mentally prepared for it, but I, trust me, I'll get there. Give me, give me, give me. I think once Labor Day is over, and I'll know that she's been doing dress rehearsals and running the show, I, I'm, I, I'll be on board. Well, I think it's about time that we bring on today's topic because I just want to talk about it. Oh yes, let's get to that Tootsie Roll center of the Tootsie Pop. Uh, today we are going to be discussing something I've been wanting to discuss in the podcast for ages. Tony, I know you and I have spoken about it offline when we aren't podcasting. Believe it or not, there was a time when we are not podcasting. But um, we finally thought we should address the pink elephant in the room, which is quite simply the Madonna effect. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely affects you if you're listening. Yes. But I think, um, as we all know, Madonna has had a profound effect on not just music and videos, but popular culture in general, uh, on the way um, pop music has been rolled out, how pop artists perform on tours. Uh, she's basically just... I mean, obviously on in fashion and movies and books and news, but we thought it would be really interesting to sort of dive into Madonna when she came on the scene, what happened to the rest of popular culture once she arrived? Well, when Madonna first started, I mean, the landscape was very, very different. There were the disco queens uh, you know, with the biggest one being Donna Summer. But they were kind of like in their own subset. And then on the other hand, there were like the rock queens with Debbie Harry, Chrissy Hines, Stevie Nicks, Linda Ronstadt, Pat Benatar. And Madonna was somewhere in between both of those camps. Um, and like I said at the time, uh, you know, the dance and disco queens, they weren't being seen. They were being mm-hmm. heard in clubs, you know. So uh, being a dance artist was not a marketable um place to be in in the pop music realm yeah i often wonder if that's why sort of um burning up was you know part of her first album because it was very guitar rock sounding Mm -hmm. um you know i mean it was still dancey but uh you know you have madonna she comes onto the scene her music is being played all over the place you know people are hearing it but an odd thing started happening people started dressing like her you know, it was the height of the 80s fashion and, you know, little, you know, young women and girls all over the place were showing up to her very first tour dressed just like her. And I think that's when, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was Macy's that they did like a yeah. Madonna fashion And Bloomingdale's too. Um, where you could go and like dress, they find items to dress as Madonna. Uh, and... 
I think that was sort of like the first start of Madonna having an impact on mm. more than just music. It was now she's having an effect on the fashion industry. You know, people were seeing, oh, here's a marketable idea we can run with. You know, people want to dress like her. Why not come out with a fashion line and let people buy the clothes that we want to have them wear? I have this crazy video that um, I'll post on our on our Instagram page, which is a Madonna lookalike contest from Bloomingdale's back in 1984. It's hilarious because it's all these girls from Long Island with their accents, you know. And yeah, I'm not even going to replicate those accents. I'll let you guys. Oh, have I kind of want to hear that though. <laughs> um. So. As soon as Madonna started making a name for herself in the charts and on MTV, uh, competing record labels wanted to start, you know, creating their own pop starlet. Well, of course, you know, they see something, someone who's very successful, and they're thinking, hey, let's get our own version of this and make some money off of somebody else. Yeah. And, you know, for a lot of people, the most natural progression was to work with the people that Madonna worked with. Of course. So, you know, like, for example, I'm thinking of Mark Kamens, who was actually the DJ that Madonna slipped her tape to at Danceteria. And, you know, he, she launched his career as a, as a producer, you know, as a re- commercial producer, because he produced everybody and a couple of other songs on the self-titled debut album. But he went on to, you know, produce tracks for everyone, you know, you name it, if they were doing dance music in the 80s, they, there was probably a Mark Kamen's remix um, that was done at Danceteria. And, you know, back then they also used to kind of remix on the spot. You know, they would bring in, um, they would bring in musicians, uh, you know, people, you know, playing trumpets or people, you know, playing keyboard while the track was being remixed by the DJ on stage. So it was kind of a different thing. And, you know, I wish that we get a chance to hear some of these Mark Kamen's live remixes, but I don't think they, I don't think they exist anymore. Um, so for example, there was a, a young black singer named Shane who sounds a lot like Madonna. Uh, she was supposed to record into the groove. Madonna wrote that for her, for Mark Kamen's to produce um, for on MCA records. She didn't get the song or the contract because Madonna decided that she loved that song so much it was going to be you know part of the desperately seeking susan promotion and good call on her yeah it was a good call um sorry shane but you just (laughs) didn't quite make it i also uh, i'm gonna post a playlist of all of these artists that i'm talking about uh shane has a song on there called mr telephone and Please tell me what you think of her voice because I think she has a great voice, but mm-hmm. it's also Madonna's voice. Right, right. Uh, well, right, and I think that's the thing. Like in in the early '80s, once Madonna got famous, you started seeing a crop of artists popping up who were sort of similar sounding oh, to yeah. Madonna, not just in voice, but in like the sound of the music. You know, like you had mm-hmm. someone like Samantha Fox yep. or Taylor Dane or Sheena Easton, or then like even late 80s, you had some like Paula Abdul. You know, like these were people who, now again, they were, you know, an artist in their own right. And they were, weren't doing stuff that was identical to Madonna, but Madonna sort of opened the door mm-hmm. to allow them to be in the room. Right. It, it allowed, it, it gave record companies that were completely male-dominated. Uh, 
it gave them kind of like the carte blanche to like put money behind a female solo artist to, you know, put money behind her videos, you know, try to, you know, launch a promotional tour, that kind of thing. Um, you know, going back to what you were saying, a lot of those girls sounded a lot like Madonna and their music did too. And part of the reason is because Stephen Bray co-wrote a lot of these songs mm-hmm. and produced them. Like, for example, um, he did some amazing music with E.G. Daly, um, Another artist named Regina, a one-name artist mm-hmm. uh, with an Italian background who had a song, a song called Baby Love, which I am obsessed with. <laughs> and it was recently in the second episode of Pose. And that, I mean, for years, I thought that was a Madonna song. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it just... That's, because it sounded so Yeah, much I, heard like it, I heard it. They played it on the radio all the time. I heard it. And I remember when I actively started buying Madonna records, you know, like 12 inches and stuff like that. I was always looking for baby love. And then finally this guy rolled his eyes at me at the record store, record rack in Houston, Texas. And he said, that's not Madonna. It's Regina. And I'm like, same difference. (laughs) Imagine. Imagine. (laughs) Um, Where's, where's Regina these days? I, I don't want to know. I don't want to talk about it. Uh, The Jets, which were a big pop group in the eighties. I think there were 50 members. And they were all related, but they had a song. They had a couple of songs that Stephen Bray wrote and produced. One was on the Beverly Hills Cop 2 soundtrack called Cross My Broken Heart. And that is, that is, I'm sorry, that's like a B-side from Who's That Girl. Really? Oh, I'll have to check that out. It is a Madonna song without Madonna vocals. Uh, There's also a young man named Nick Kamen who wrote a song written by Madonna. And Stephen Bray had a hand in that. And The Breakfast Club, which was Madonna's old band, it was more of a punk rock thing, but when they relaunched in 1986, they had a lot of really great dance hits uh, with a male vocalist, but these were all Madonna's old bandmates, and Stephen Bray was also in that band, and he took producing duties and wrote the songs. And if you can check out The Breakfast Club, Right On Track is a standout track, and it also sounds like Madonna. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think also, not even just like, the way the music sounded, mm-hmm. but I think in terms of the attitude or the... It was like the New York the, downtown sound. The image that the people would sort of come out with, you know, like an artist like Samantha Fox or uh, Taylor Dane, you know, they were coming out and they were not selling sex, but they were a lot sexier than previous women artists had been. And part of that was because Madonna was breaking down those walls and barriers and allowing them to come forward and be a bit more sexy. You know, an interesting thing is that uh, Taylor Dane had a video early in her career. It may have been her second or third video. I forget the name of the song, but she had voguing in her video. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think it was, I want to say Tell It To My Heart. I mean, whatever song it was, she was screaming, but there were guys voguing in that video. Yeah. Definitely recall that. Yeah, well, and I think even in that video, she had a bustier on. Yeah. You know, like, it was very much the Madonna 1989 Express Yourself VMA performance. It was it was totally like that. And that's what they were doing. You know, like, mm-hmm. you were seeing the same thing. Like, I don't know if, and this was, I think, we're sort of, I'm sliding into the early 90s a little bit. There was, a, a I guess, a one-hit wonder, because I don't really know what she's doing now, called Tara Kemp. Uh, and she had a song called... Um, uh, just want to hold you tight, mm-hmm. or sorry, I think it was just called "Hold Tight," or no, just want to hold you tight. I think, but yeah, uh, a piece of my heart also. And in the video for "Piece of My Heart," uh, she's voguing. You know, oh. like it's voguing sort of became a much bigger ordeal because Madonna sort of splashed it out there. I don't remember much about Tara Kemp, but I do remember that she is 
a white girl. Red hair. Red hair. And what I remember is an interview she did in MTV in like 1990. And she was saying that Tony, Tony, Tony were her homeboys. And it made me so angry. I turned off the TV and went and rode my bike. Oh, how fun. Well, and you know what? <laughs> so a perfect example. In the Peace of My Heart video, Google it. Tara Kemp, Piece uh-huh. of My Heart. It's a little dancier than Just Wanna Hold You Tight. Um, but the Piece of My Heart video, she's not only is she, is she voguing, but she kind of has like two backup people behind her, mm-hmm. which is very like Madonna, Madonna Nikki, and yeah. Donna. And also she has, um, the, the story is very like borderline video where mm-hmm. she's like romancing with a guy and the guy's a black man. She's a white girl. And I thought, now see, Madonna got so much flack in the Like a Prayer video mm-hmm. for kissing a black guy. And here's Tara Kemp, and no one even made a stink about it. Well, she's got homeboys. She can do that. So <laughs> Tony, Tony, Stephen Tony. Bray, That's so funny. I love that band. <laughs> so Stephen Bray, uh, unfortunately, stopped working with Madonna after Like a Prayer, which, in my opinion, sucks, because some of the best songs from Like a Prayer were co-produced and written by Stephen Bray. But he went on after that to write and produce two tracks for Kylie Minogue's 1991 Rhythm of Love album. Unfortunately, those songs are not very good. And that was also during a time when Kylie's career was completely controlled by her record label. Mm -hmm. So I can't really compare Kylie to early Madonna because I feel like Kylie came into her own after she dumped her management and created her own career. Yeah, well, and wasn't that when she did the whole spinning around? Yeah. Was that right? Because that, that's whole, the whole point of that song. Yeah. Which, and I think that was sort of like a good move for Kylie because she, after, like, I mean, she sexed it up, you know? Well, like, she I think, became the pop princess to Madonna's pop queen. Yes. But and, she couldn't have done that before. Correct. And that's exactly. So, like, I guess the whole the larger point we're all trying to make here in, in this is that, yes, Madonna sort of like arrived in the scene and then allowed other people the freedom. And and I think also showed people the marketability of, yes, this will sell. You know, like when she first came out, people were writing Madonna off. They thought Cyndi Lauper was going to have the longevity and that Madonna would be in the business for six months and she'd be gone. And then once she started proving those people wrong... Then they were like, oh, we need to get our own Madonna mm-hmm. immediately. We need to sign somebody. We need to. And I mean, funnily enough, it didn't really work out so well with some of them because no. where are those people now? You know, like I know I, I did hear like Kathy Dennis, who I absolutely love her, her, her songs and her music. She actually, I think, just did a concert. I mean, a small yeah, show, but like, she did in London. But you know, Kathy Dennis, we can give her a pass because she can sit at home and count her money. Right. For decades yeah. and well, not have to perform. Well, because she's smart. She yeah. was not only was she performing her own music, but she was writing umpteenth amount of songs. She wrote for Toxic. People. She wrote Can't Get You Out of My Head. Mm-hmm. And this is where all her money's coming from. She wrote the American Idol theme song. Right, exactly. I mean, <laughs> she was smart. You know, like she. But she was, I love Hold Me Baby, Drive Me Crazy. <laughs> I, well, I'm trying to think of what I, uh, what Kathy Dennis, I mean, I like Too Many Walls, but that's a little slow song. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of Kathy Dennis songs out and there. And I also enjoy her appearance on Beverly Hills 90210 as the performer at the prom. The reboot or? No. Oh. Are you <laughs> the, kidding me? The original run, you mean? I mean, the original run, yeah. I mean, I do remember the line when uh, Donna asked Brenda, it's like, why aren't you going to prom? Kathy Dennis is performing. Oh, so she played herself. Yeah. Well, no, because remember, so here's, here's another 
one. She's hit. like the prom committee hired Kathy Dennis. Here's here's another one hit wonder from 1980. We all remember Stacy Q. I love Stacy Q. Love Stacy Q. I was obsessed with "I Need You" that song. I loved it. And remember, she did. Uh, she did Facts two, of Life. She was on two episodes of Facts of and Life. And she played Cinnamon. Right. She didn't play herself, which I no. thought was so strange that they would have her sing Stacey Q songs, but not as herself. I'm like, I think they were trying to launch her as an actress. But it just seems it, strange. Yeah. Like, if, if you're going to have Stacey Q on your show and sing her songs, but have her play Stacey Q. You know, like, it just, it was weird. That just brought up a very embarrassing memory that I had hidden away for years. About Stacey Q? Well, yeah, I remember when that, because uh, Facts of Life was on Saturday nights, and I remember that came on, and I jumped up, and I called four people to tell them that Stacey Q was on Facts of Life. Call me back. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, I want to talk about another of, I mean, actually, my all-time favorite Madonna collaborator, and that's Patrick Leonard. Uh, he was really busy in the 80s working with Madonna and Peter Cetera, who, for those of you that don't know, he was a huge star in the 80s. He couldn't, you know, couldn't walk out into the street without being mobbed by fans. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he sold a lot of records and, you know, that, that gave a lot, of, uh, a lot of cachet to Patrick Leonard. But he also did a couple of other one-offs. You know, I, they were all um, for Warner Brothers records, so it seemed like it was probably a contractual thing. Probably. But uh, he did most of all for Jody Watley, which was co-written by Gardner Cole, who wrote Open Your Heart. And there's a remix that was done by Shep Pettibone. And yeah, if you want to keep going, the video was directed by David Fincher. Oh. The only thing that was missing was Madonna. <laughs> right, right. Um, right, but exactly. And I think that's the thing. You know, you had all these people who were becoming successful because, and becoming well-known because of Madonna mm-hmm. and what she was doing. And they were, you know, the record industry was like, we need to get these people immediately. Yeah. Let's, like, have, let's have them work with with somebody else. So next is Julie Brown, who had a TV show on MTV called Just Say Julie. And, you know, she had that hit, uh, The Homecoming Queen's Got a Gun. But Warner Brothers want, wanted her to put out, like, a legitimate pop album and maybe throw in a couple of joke songs. But they had Patrick Leonard come in and write a couple of songs for Julie Brown and produce them. And if you go back and it... Um, Trapped in the Body of a White Girl is the name of her album, and it is on um, on streaming. So if you want to have a listen, it's it's uncanny. It's uh, Madonna's True Blue era, but hmm. you know, with Julie and she Brown. was trying like actual serious music. Yeah, I mean, like I've I've um, heard her in an interview say that the record label was pushing her to be like a Madonna type, huh. and they had her dressing like Madonna. And well, I mean, because I know she did that infamous like. The Truth or Dare knockoff movie. Yeah, but that was years Which later. was, like, meant to be a joke. Yeah, but, yeah. That was about, like... But they actually were trying to make her seriously, like... Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah, if you if you listen to the album, like I said, it's available on streaming, you'll understand... Why it by, didn't work. By song. No, no, it, it works for me. Oh. It's a great album, but they just didn't know how to market it. I remember the videos they shot on MTV were just the, the joke videos. You know, oh, like, okay, Homecoming yeah. Queen's Got a Gun or Girl Fight Tonight. Yeah. It, I mean, for me, Julie Brown was always, like her and Weird Al Yankovic. You know, no. like, they were just, like, parody artists. Revisit. She is a brilliant artist. Huh. Seriously. I, well, I will, uh, I will uh, definitely look into that. So another Patrick Leonard collaboration was with Donna DeLore. This was a song that Madonna wrote, probably for, like, a prayer, and they gave it to Donna DeLore, and Patrick Leonard produced it, and it's, it's really great. It has a great remix. Um, I wish it would be more readily available. And yeah, he produced Brian Ferry's 1987 Brett Noir album, which is amazing. And um, 
it's very different from what he did with Madonna, but there are moments where it just sneaks up on you. And I just, I love references like that. I do. Uh, the other, the other guy who got big because of Madonna was Jellybean Benitez. Remember him? Of course. Yeah. So he was already a famous NYC DJ when they met and, you know, this guy has remixed everybody from Whitney, Michael Jackson, CNC Music Factory, everyone, you know, uh, in the 80s who had music playing clubs had a Jelly Bean uh, Benitez remix. And, you know, like, for example, even, even a remix that wasn't with Madonna, he threw her in there because I guess he was calling in favors. Like, there's a song by Naked Eyes called Promises, Promises. I love that song. Yeah, and then the 12-inch remix has Madonna doing this, like, really unexpected and sexy voiceover. And thank God for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, then, you know, for his solo stuff, he did a song called Sidewalk Talk written by a young lady named Madonna Ciccone. Um, <laughs> in, case was, you have, in case you have Yeah, in case it. you didn't know. Uh, but it was performed by some lady named Catherine Buchanan, uh, but we all think it's a Madonna song. So let's just leave it at that. Yeah, That was a huge dance hit for him. And there was another song called Who Found Who with his new discovery, Elisa Fiorillo, who's a a blonde Italian girl from Brooklyn with a great voice. And, you know, it's it's a really good jam that's also going to be on the Spotify playlist. And this is actually, if you can find this, let me know because... I stand this song for so long. It's a Jellybean Benitez track. He produced it and wrote it. It's called What's It Gonna Be featuring Nikki Harris. I think it's from 1991. And it is like, it's just heaven. Hmm. You love her voice You will, and you love his sound. You will love this. Um, so yeah, in addition to all of these standouts coming straight from Madonna land, uh, I want to shout out some other 80s Madonna byproducts like my all-time favorite, Martika. Oh. Loved Martika. Loved Martika. And, you know, even though Martika says that she she herself says that her career was inspired by Boy George, I see a lot of Madonna in there. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I mean, you know, the fact that they, her image was, it was not super sexualized. Mm-hmm. It was not, you know, like it was not very what Madonna was doing at the time. But uh, she definitely, you know, when once she did that song with Prince, uh, you know, when she did Love Thy Will Be Done, it was... That was next level, yeah. But let's go back to uh, Martika's first album. There is a song that was um, her first single off that album called More Than You Know, which is a bop if you ever heard one. But if you pay special attention, you will hear that the two background singers are Donna DeLore and Nikki Harris. Oh, so, I did not know that. Yeah, take care of that tonight. Huh. And um, and then let me know how much you love that song because it's, it's the first time that I think I heard them together. And, and I was like, ah, more. (laughs) Uh, We've got Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam, which was a little bit more freestyle, but in 1990, they came out with a song produced by uh, Clover Littleson Cole, otherwise known as CNC Music Factory, called Let the Beat Hit Him, which was literally Vogue. Mm -hmm. And if you see the video, it's Vogue. Mm -hmm. And if you see who the dancers are, it's Jose and Luis. Of course. So there's that bit of influence. Uh, We talked about E.G. Daly, who... um, you know, had a song called Say It, Say It, produced by Jelly Bean. And she has a cute little raspy voice, but she probably wouldn't have gotten a record deal if Madonna hadn't been a big star in 84, mm-hmm. you know? So there was also an international effect of sorts. Uh, I remember reading in Details magazine in 1990, as one did, 
you know. There was an article about the the Madonna types from around the world. So it was like Australia's Madonna, Kylie Minogue, you know, and um, and so on and so forth. So we got Sabrina from Italy, and she had done some Italo disco hits, including a song called Boys. And Sabrina was also very popular because she liked to take her top off. Oh. Much like her British contemporary, Samantha Fox, mm-hmm. who was uh, the UK's Madonna. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she had a lot of really great high-energy dance singles. But what I loved about Samantha Fox is that she wasn't afraid to do house music no, well, you know, on a pop I record. I don't know if you know, Samantha Fox just released a new song, like, last year, I think it was. It sounds exactly like her 80s stuff. Like they, gonna, You have to listen to I'm it. I'm going to have to. They, it's, I mean, it's... It's kind of sad and mm-hmm. tragic at all at the same time, but uh, <laughs> kind of like Tiffany's uh, remake of "I Think We're Alone Now." I have not heard that. Okay, don't hear it, see it, and oh. then and well, then report say, back to me. I was going to say Samantha Fox's video for this song, and I forget what. It, I mean, literally, it sounds as if it was a song that, uh, like they had done a demo of it in the '80s, and they were like, "Let's just redo this," and it sounds exactly <laughs> like a, a late like 1987 Samantha Fox song, oh my and God. she's basically behaving the same way in the video only oh. she's like late 50s early 60s wow you know, like talk about evolution yeah it's <laughs> uh yeah she's grown as an artist samantha fox so uh the other international madonnas according to details magazine was french tunisian pop singer amina anabi who would go on to win eurovision in 1991 she also enjoyed taking her clothes off you see the pattern yeah i was gonna here? say there's a trend developing yeah. here uh ofra haza who was Yem- from yemen She's amazing. It, you'll know her voice immediately because it was the voice that was sampled in Erotica, the Middle Eastern voice. Mm. And she also sang on Paula Abdul's My Love is for Real. Um, Oprah Haza was great. She's who can forget that? No song? longer with us, but uh, she was signed to Sire Records in the late 80s. And she has some really good remixes. There's a song called Wish Me Luck. If you can find that remix, you'll love it. Mm. It's great. From Canada, we got Alanis. For the English-speaking market, she went by one name because she was that kind of girl. Not to be confused with Alanis Morissette. Uh, Alanis. It was Alanis Morissette? Yes, Alanis Morissette started as a pop act with Madonna-sounding songs. And then how smart of Madonna to bring her to the United States. She left Canada because she wanted to do her own kind of music, and she had to come to America where nobody knew her. And Nobody knows me. Nobody knows me, so... Uh, yeah, luckily. Well, you know. and then funnily enough, even though she was doing rock music, she also did take her clothes off for her second album. There you go. Right, with Thank You. Wasn't she like naked the entire video? I don't know. I mean, yeah, but yeah. I, I've seen some videos of Alanis's pop career in Canada and it's kind of embarrassing. She's got big oh. brown curly hair. Um, her dance moves are like Vogue, but mm. not Vogue. Yeah, well, you know, I don't a think lot she's... of there's a lot of Running Man. There's oh. a lot of that kind of stuff. A lot of bumping and grinding with her dancers. Oh, well. But I'm glad that Alanis picked up a guitar. She, she grew as an yeah. artist. So for the French market, we had Mitsu, who was this little pop tart who looked like Brigitte Bardot if the lights were low, and she had some really racy videos. Um, I recently watched on MTV, there was a thing from MTV Canada or Much Music, whatever it was, where they had Justify My Love and uh, Mitsu's new video, Side by Side. They were going to show them once because they were so racy, they couldn't air them all the time. Mm-hmm. You know? And I was like, <laughs> stop trying to make Mitsu Madonna because it ain't happening. It's not you know? happening. But she did have a single that I used to hear at the teen club all the time. It was it was in Franglish or French and English, and it was called Bye Bye Mon Cowboy. And, of course, the remix was amazing because it was done by 
Monsieur Chet Pettibone. Of course. Mm-hmm. He had his hands in everything. Right. Uh, so the most famous of all these uh, international Madonna types is Vanessa Paradis, who I also love. Um, she exploded internationally in 1988, and she's still bigger than Madonna in France. I mean, you know, she still comes out with records. Her tours every two, three years sell out. Um, the only thing is that when she started in 1988, she was 14. Mm. So it she was a, has a little bit of a jump on Madonna. Well, it was a little problematic as far as like. Oh, because she would take her clothes off. She did not until later, but oh, her, you know, her. her second album was written by Serge Gainsbourg, who was that old French pervert. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> you know, the thing that made her that got her to be compared to Madonna is that the lead single "Tandem," the video had her, you know, singing in, you know, very sexy clothes, but she was dressed, but everybody around her was naked. Oh. And she's like, what? You know? Mm. So it was that whole, like, Madonna attitude, Mm -hmm. you know, except she was a teenager. Right. Which is a little bit more scandal. Right. It worked well in France, but But it didn't happen over here. Well, and exactly. I think that's the thing, like, I think with some of the other people, what was happening was they were coming out trying to replicate Madonna and her look and her attitude, but it wasn't inherent for them. You know, like it wasn't who they were. They were trying to be like Madonna. And Madonna sold, you know, Madonna sold that look and that feel and that vibe and that energy because it was ornate. It was coming from her. It was organic. But other people were sort of just trying to put those clothes on and become that, and it just didn't work. Well, one person did and got in trouble, legal trouble. Mm. So there was a, a a girl group in the late 80s called Seduction. I loved Seduction. With Idalis De Leon, uh, who ended up as an MTV VJ, a young lady named Michelle Visage. Yes, we all know Michelle. And the third girl, whose name I don't remember, but that's okay. So we all know that Michelle Visage is a huge Madonna fan, and we are legion, you know? We all love her, and we love each other. But um, I think she took it a little too far. I'll never forget this because my jaw dropped. I came home from school to watch Club MTV, because that's what I did every afternoon. And they're like, today, Seduction's going to perform their new single. I was like, wow, great. I can't wait to see them lip sync. And they come out. Michelle Visage is wearing the opening outfit from Brawl and Ambition. So it's a suit cut with the, right, with the, the cutouts. With the cone and bras. then the cone bra comes out and then she has her head up in that like high ponytail. And I mean, she looked good. You know, she even had the mole, you know. Oh, she looked, oh, so it was like an homage. Well, in her eyes it was an homage, but in Madonna's legal camp, it was... Um, Copyright infringement. Yeah, so she was sent to cease and desist letter. <gasps> yeah. During the performance? Well, yeah. It was delivered to her on stage. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Michelle Visage just could not ape Madonna's look on stage anymore. I'm sure she still does it in private, though. You know, and I enjoy listening to... Her and RuPaul dress up and... Yeah, and I I enjoy hearing her talk about her love of Madonna on the RuPaul podcast. And um, It's a good podcast. It's a great podcast. And, you know, one day I hope to have her here to talk about her love of Madonna. Oh, wouldn't that be fun? Unfiltered. Yeah. Well, but, and exactly. So, like, I think that's, you know, like, as you're sort of seeing the the progression of pop music, you know, like, when we sort of, like, get past the 80s into the 90s, you you look at a lot of the the acts that came out. The girls that grew up with Madonna. Correct. You know, so you had a lot of pop singers being established in the 90s. Obviously, Britney, Christina, you know, you had the Spice Girls, people like 
Mandy Moore, Jessica Simpson, less a little lesser known like Vitamin C. Oh my god, I um, love Vitamin C. Oh my god, but <laughs> the uh, you know like you had these girls who grew up listening to Madonna, so Robin. It, it was a little bit more organic for them to sort of take on that attitude because they wanted to be her when they were young, mm-hmm. and their music and their videos and their styling sort of took what Madonna had started and sort of like it became their own thing, you know? So like, like I was saying, you know, you have Christina Aguilera doing Genie in a Bottle. You have her doing the Dirty video. It was all sort of predicated on, other than the music, you also had stuff that was happening in the tours as well. You know, like if you look at what Madonna did with the Blonde Ambition tour. She created a tour template. And it has not changed nope. for any of the pop artists that are performing today. I mean, I was just at, you know, like, I think the last non-Madonna show I was at recently was uh, Katy Perry's Witness tour. Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I, I mean, I liked I liked the Witness album. I thought it was good. And then when I saw the, I mean, my friends and I we just bought tickets. For no cheap one and, stands Madonna's like stage act more than Katy Perry. And the the entire time, I kept sitting there thinking, "Oh my God, Katy Perry is like the the format for this show is exactly what Madonna had." The blueprint, you know, she had come up with in the Blind Ambition Tour. And I'm thinking, I wonder if these artists, other than Madonna, are pissed that they have to adhere to mm-hmm. this format because everything that she was doing, and like, I, I mean, there was a lot of nods to m- previous Madonna shows. There was also some like Kylie Minogue nods. Yep. Um, but even Kylie Minogue's shows, you know, like I was, yeah. you know, like when I've seen Kylie at, you know, Roseland or um, Hammerstein Ballroom, she was doing stuff that I was like, that's Madonna, you know, like... It's yeah, the, f- uh, the tour book for Kylie's Kiss Me Once tour, which was produced by Chandelier Creative, no plug intended, mm-hmm. is um, inspired by the sex book. Right. And it's beautiful. Yeah, but exactly. So you have, you know, like, all of those artists who they came after the Blind Ambition tour, and that's just the format that they know nothing else. Mm-hmm. And... That's why I'm curious to sort of see what happens with the Madame X show because I love that Madonna's saying, you know what? She's reinventing let's, the let's wheel. Let's reinvent it. Let's let's. I've been doing this for years. I was the one who started it. Let's try something else. Let's try something different. So she's not doing the same thing, which is kind of nice. But yeah. Um, and then you know, just not even music and tours, but you know, in terms of the blueprint for how an artist conducts their career, where. They're not just involved in music, but they're also then doing either television or they're doing movies or they have little... A makeup line. Exactly. Makeup or perfume or a clothing line or whatnot. Like all of these ideas for what to do with an artist all started because Madonna was trailblazing those things herself. Mm -hmm. You know, she was a smart businesswoman. She knew to make, you know, like, hey, if, if I'm popular with music and I'm popular with... Um, with fans, maybe I can, you know, get them interested in other pieces of art that I'm doing, you know, and that's what some of the other pop artists are doing even today. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. The only one who's not really following that template is Pink. I did go see her live and she flew across Madison Square Garden and she didn't really like have skits or sections or segments. It was literally like I'm on stage and I'm singing and I'm about to fly. Right. Which was really refreshing because, um, yeah, you know, seeing people like Britney trying to do a Madonna set piece just doesn't really come off the same. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting. I had read something. Uh, fiction writer and journalist Rodrigo Frizan, he had commented saying, 
saying that Madonna just is a pop star is as inappropriate as saying Coca-Cola is just a soda. Madonna is one of the classic symbols of made in the USA. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, it's just, it's funny to sort of like, you know, she's had books written about her. She's had, you know, there's courses at certain colleges that talk about her. You know, like women's studies classes cover the effect she's had on women's movement in the United States. You know, it, it transcends just popular culture. She's oh, yeah. helped women's movements and fighting for women's rights. And um, you She know. does a lot of this behind the scenes, too. Yeah, I mean, it's not like she's... I mean, she champions it in her music yeah. and in what she says on stage, but she is. She's doing stuff behind the scenes, you know, and, and she doesn't always need to take credit for it. Um, but I also love... Um, I had read a quote from uh, Lynn Spiegel. She's the um, the Frances E. Willard Professor of Screen Cultures at the School of Communications at Northwestern University. Oh, yeah, I know her. Of course, who doesn't? Uh, she had wrote that Madonna intervened America's notion of sex, gender, and power. Madonna publicized her appropriation of the unspoken and taboo areas of America's moralistic rhetoric and capitalized on it through the scandalization and titillization of the consumer. It's just fun sort of like hear what other people sort of think and say. And she expresses that in much more complex wordplay than I ever would. No, it's absolutely true. And this is most evident when you see Madonna as an artist in the 80s, you know, bordering on cute, you know, with Santa Baby, with True Blue, with Cherish, and then cut to one year later, uh, walking down a hallway in a Parisian hotel, Mm -hmm. Justify My Love, Nobody saw that coming. Yeah. And, and it was shocking. And, and it was shocking. And exciting and all at the same time. All at the same time. Yeah, I got in trouble for that. Oh, who, yeah, who didn't? That was, <laughs> that was something you watched after the parents went to bed. Well, I went and bought the videotape, and hit it, I hid it. it under your mattress? Well, no, I hid it in my room, but then I had left it in the VHS player. Someone oh, pressed play. Oh, no. And the flash of nipple just caused an earthquake <laughs> in my home. I'm like... That was nothing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wait, it's like, if, if only they had known then what was coming in the right. sex book. No, it was the 1991 equivalent of, like, your parents seeing your browser history. You right. Know? <laughs> Except it was a flash of nipple. Yeah. In a Lenny Kravitz-produced song, you know? <laughs> 90s. So, yeah, I mean, I think we sort of just only slightly touched on uh, Madonna's influence in popular culture and in the world at large. Uh, I mean, obviously, she's made a huge impact on music and videos and fashion and other artists and their and careers. Skincare. skincare. Yeah, I mean, she's basically, you know, she's had an, a, such a huge and profound influence on so many people and so many artists, and it, it extends far longer than we can probably cover off in an hour. But Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited to further explore the Madonna effect. Like, you know, when we get uh, some upcoming guests, I'd like to, to hear their take on what they feel the Madonna effect was in their life and also on artists that they enjoy listening to in addition to Madonna. But I, don't, I really don't think that our listeners listen to anyone else. Mm, no, I'm sure they listen to some. <laughs> just maybe every now and again. Just just to see what's going on. Yeah, they just peek outside. Hmm. But yeah, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, future episodes. We're going to get some guests in here. We're probably going to go, you know, on location again. Absolutely. Um, yeah, just uh, very excited for what's coming, uh, especially the Madame X 
tour era, which I can't predict what's going to happen, but it's, it's going to be a lot of stuff to discuss, a lot of content. So get ready. So thanks for listening, guys. It's so glad to have you here. We love hearing from all of you on our social media channels and via email. Please keep the suggestions and comments coming. We love hearing from everybody from around the world. It's amazing. So humbling to know that people in the Philippines, Iran, Australia, among other countries are listening to us. We love you. Please send us shout outs, send us um, more comments and suggestions. I've gotten some really great uh, topics for upcoming episodes, which I will definitely be working on. And yeah, uh, like and subscribe, you know, give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, listen to us wherever podcasts are available. Find us on social media at MLBC Podcast on Instagram and our website, mlbcpodcast.com. Look forward to the next episode. Talk to you guys later. And just, uh, we want to say thank you again to everyone at Madame X in New York City for hosting us today for the podcast. It's been a huge pleasure to be able to record on location in this New York establishment. I mean, they've been here for over 21 years in New York City. Definitely come check them out. Oh my God, Stefan, do you think that this leopard print banquette that I'm sitting on had any contact with Madonna's body? <laughs> I, I have a feeling she um, she maybe danced, if not around, definitely on top of it. I heard a rumor that she commissioned a dance floor in this space. It's just a rumor. It's well, just what I heard. Um, we don't trade in rumors here in, uh, <laughs> on this podcast, so we're just going to let the Instagram videos speak yeah. for themselves. Let's just say that wherever Madonna goes, the dance floor is going to follow. Absolutely. No regrets. <laughs> But yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. We will talk to you soon. See you soon.